0: Cyber warfare and nation state-backed attacks waged for cyber espionage and crime have quickly become leading national security concerns and threats to the nation's critical infrastructure, including financial services. While in the past, attacker attribution was indeed quite so important, today attributing attacks to certain threat actors is part of most organizations' cyber defense strategies. Today I'm joined by Greg Kessner, former chief of the FBI Data Intercept Program who now works as a senior security consultant to talk about the actors and groups that are attacking U.S. businesses and what's being done to stop them. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So Greg, could you just tell us why attacker attribution is becoming so much more important than it was, say, three to four years ago?
1: So I think the short answer to that is that to be able to better protect yourself from these adversaries that we're seeing today You really have to know what they've done in the past and what their kind of trade craft and mechanisms are. So the more quickly we can identify who's responsible for a specific attack, the more likely it is we can iterate our defense mechanisms and be able to defend against future attacks from those individuals.
0: That's a good point you make, Greg, and it kind of brings to mind some of the recent discussions that we've had surrounding retail breaches, such as those that impacted Target and Home Depot. Over the course of the last 12 to 18 months, I've been hearing more and more that it's likely that all of these breaches have been tied to a single crime ring. Would you agree with that?
1: I don't know that I would have enough information to say that it's all to a single crime ring. Because in both of the cases that you mentioned, there were multiple instances of breaches into those entities. So it's difficult to say that it's tied to the same crime ring, I think.
0: What about other types of attacks that we've seen, such as those waged against J.P. Morgan Chase and even Anthem? Could you say that any of these attacks are connected or can be attributed to any type of specific group
1: or groups? Yeah, so I mean, I think there are multiple categories of attackers for many of the hacks that we see today, and they're kind of in the two groups. One's kind of intellectual property, then the other is more specifically financial credit card where they're just looking to get in, get at as many credit card or the PII information as possible and and get out. So there is certainly a category of attackers and groups that are somewhat synonymous with attacking financial institutions for the single purpose of trading the credit card information that are in a large category. However, within that category, I think there are many smaller groups that are all focused on different types of facilities that they're going to target, whether it be the giant endpoint sales items or if you're looking at the large database theft from the data stores for some of the big retailers.
0: Greg, this is a loaded question, I'm sure, but how can we factually attribute these attacks?
1: Well, so attribution for these attacks all starts with looking at the specific attack itself. So you kind of have to identify where the first part of the attack happened, where that came from to the extent you can identify it, you know, what was the exploit itself that allowed them in, was it a social engineer, was it a zero day, what are the individual characteristics about that attack. So all attribution starts with the knowledge of where the attack started from. Then you'll start looking at things like where were the egress points, how did the data get exfilled, what IPs did it go to, all of that sort of stuff. So there's multiple aspects to the actual identification of where that attack is attributed in the end. So it can be as early as identifying some specific piece of the malware that was used initially that you know to be unique from some specific group that's been used in the past. That's a huge tip-off. It could be the egress mechanism and the way that it was encrypted and the IPs that it used to get the data out or the URLs or DNS entries that were used. So it just depends on what you know about the hack and you know how you can follow that through to then either particularly factually identify the attribution or... In some cases, we don't ever truly have evidence other than speculation on where that came from, particularly in the cases where the initial logs and the kind of record of what happened in the beginning of the attack are deleted.
0: Have we gotten better, Greg, would you say, over the last year to 24 months at making sure that we have all these data points? I mean, some retailers that I speak to tell me that they never really found out exactly how their network was intruded.
1: Yeah, so unfortunately that's something that's, for the companies that get bitten by it, I think they've gotten better at it. For a lot of the other companies, particularly in the financial world, I I wouldn't say that, that the things that make them able to go back and reconstruct that have been addressed probably in the proper way. And a lot of that's based on the proper types of logging, the proper types of network segmentation, so that if there are logs created that an attacker can't, physically get into where those logs are stored, so putting them in, you know, through a one-way transfer or somewhere storing them offline that that can't be deleted. I wouldn't say that we're in a better place other than for those folks that have been taken advantage of. I, I think they're probably in a better place today.
0: And what about some of the things that hackers do to kind of hide their tracks, like IP spoofing or other methods that they use to kind of cover up what they've done or who they are?
1: Yeah, the biggest tool in their toolbox is being able to find and identify where the system logs are being kept once they're in and effectively erase those. So if a typical financial institution would have logs of where credentials are being used and what systems were accessed, and if an attacker was able to get access to a system through social engineering or whatever mechanism they were able to use to get to a set of credentials, Once they got in, one of the first things they're going to do is look to see where those logs are being kept and try to delete those logs or at least delete the logs that are pertaining to their logins, that they've used these credentials erroneously. So it's kind of a targeted covering of the tracks to be able to do that. In addition, there is a ton of anonymization that most of these folks are going to be using. They'll be using um, other compromised machines. In some cases, for the really good hackers, they'll actually use stolen credentials of other people to try to throw the tracks off of law enforcement to go blame it on somebody else.
0: So let's talk a little bit about some of the different types of groups that are out there, Greg, that are waging these various types of attacks for various reasons. Let's talk a little bit about nation-state-backed attacks. What kind of information are these types of attacks typically after?
1: So It really depends on the nation. If you look at some of the nations, maybe like Russia or some of the stand countries, you tend to find that they're looking for, obviously, the national security type things, but they're also in it for some of the financial credit card data. We've seen some of these nation states hack databases that have credit cards and then sell them out on the black market just for funding. Whereas you find other nation states, much like China for instance, where you typically wouldn't see them attacking a company just for being able to steal your credit cards and use them. They're much more in it for the intellectual property or intelligence value. So it really depends on the country and kind of their particular purpose to access the networks individually.
0: And then looking at some of the attacks that we've seen waged against financial services specifically, and I know that there are many different types of threat actors that attack institutions for different reasons, but Greg, how damaging is it long-term for the financial services industry as a whole when we see card data or even bank accounts compromised?
1: Well, I think that's a gigantic impact, and, um, you know, I know myself, in fact, in the last couple of months I've gotten notified by a couple of my credit cards to say, hey, um, it's potential that your credit card was compromised so we're sending you a new one, and then it takes me the next three weeks to find all the places that I've got automatic billing set up to, to go back and to redo it. And that's just the impact on the end user. In those cases, I didn't actually have my credit cards used fraudulently. It was just the threat that it might have been. So, you know, when you see these reports in the news where potentially, you know, 40,000 or 60,000 credit card numbers were stolen and and the companies are notified, it's a huge rolling impact. And that doesn't even start to talk about the cases where there were mass amounts of credit fraud and Target's a very good one and tens or hundreds of millions of impact that that had on Target as a retailer. Then you end up with the customer confidence problem of You know, people start to, well, I'm not going to go to Target or whatever the financial institution is because they were hacked at one point. It is a far-reaching and drastic effect on the entire industry.
0: So then, Greg, what's being done to fight back? We talk a lot about the role that technology plays, but there's also an information sharing piece here, as well as just a better understanding of how hackers are getting in and, and how long they're staying in our networks. I mean, do you feel like we're making progress?
1: Well, so I think there's a couple of things. I think after all of the press that's happened over the last 18 months to two years, as you mentioned, a lot of the senior executives in companies are now realizing that the cybersecurity has to be taken seriously. So I do think that in a lot of cases, these companies are starting to be willing to pay for and put a lot more resources and assets into cyber protection and cybersecurity. So you're seeing the CIO is starting to get much bigger budgets in a lot of the companies um, and I don't I don't think that's across the board but I think that is I've certainly seen that a lot in in the Silicon Valley so that's a positive change for sure as far as the technology that exists you know there's brand new technology coming out constantly from secure processing system to run some critical processes on all the way to a lot of the systems that are trying to identify these advanced persistent threats by not using predefined signatures, but using algorithmic um, behavioral analysis of network traffic to find those little trickles of data where somebody's in the network but isn't being destructive. So there's a lot of that type technology that's being developed and deployed. So I think we're probably making at least more difficult for the attackers in a lot of cases but there's still a a huge playground for the hackers for low-hanging fruit for some of the companies that either don't have the incentive or don't have the, the resources or capability to properly protect their networks.
0: And Greg would you say that information sharing is just as important as technology?
1: Yeah I mean there's a lot of companies that have started to put together their own information sharing capabilities Google has one, and I know Facebook recently just deployed a very successful one where it's a kind of a platform for companies that have seen threats from wherever it comes from to be able to submit their own kind of signatures and things that they've seen and also pull from that same data set a list of what other people have seen. So the more quickly somebody else identifies an attack and is able to categorize it, and get that out to everyone else a lot of the systems that are being built today are being built with the interface in mind to be able to take in other folks threat assessments you kind of get inoculated for that initially as soon as somebody else has seen that problem
0: and then greg before we close are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience
1: i think the bottom line is as i mentioned in some other presentations i don't want to be the fear monger and say it's the end of the world and we're all doomed but You know, the adversaries are getting smarter and faster and more incentivized constantly. And, you know, companies have to be vigilant. There are some simple things they can do with logging and, you know, using two-factor authentication and network segmentation and some basics that can be built into the network kind of from the beginning. There's tons of resources available. Particularly in the financial institution, there's companies that are specializing in identifying the resources that these companies have that are extremely useful for those companies to be able to identify the networks that they have and doing pen tests frequently. There's just a ton of things that companies can do to make themselves so much better off.
0: Well, Greg, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Very informative. I appreciate it. Again, we've just heard from Greg Kessner, formerly of the FBI and now a cyber intelligence consultant. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.